You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. It's now time for A's Roundtable with Chris Townsend. Learn from the men and women that help determine the direction of the Oakland A's from amazing stories to colorful personalities. Now is the time to get your inside look of the A's front office. This is A's Roundtable. Welcome to another edition of A's Roundtable here on A's Cast powered by TuneIn. This is going to be a really fascinating episode today. We have Lydia Tan, we have Anya Spivey, and we have Noah Rosen with us. As we're going to be talking about real estate, we're going to be talking about the ballpark, we're really going to be talking about what the future is like for the Oakland Athletics. And it's really, you know, beyond what we deal with on the on the field and winning, and this is the next most important thing for the Oakland Athletics and their future. Let's uh, start with you, Ms. Tan. Thank you so much for coming on the program. Uh, Managing Director of Real Estate. Fascinating time for you and what you're trying to do for this organization. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. It's been about seven months. Um, Really happy to be back in Oakland, working in Oakland. Uh, My background is in architecture, development, redevelopment, public-private partnerships. So I think this is a really great way for me to come back to Oakland give back and find a new home for the A's and at the same time help transform an industrial property into something that's lively and active and can be an extension of the downtown. You know, the bottom line is it's not easy to build in California, is it? It's it's very difficult. Um, there are a lot of uh, stakeholders um, who have an interest in what's happening. Uh, as we get more and more urban, there's a lot of impacts on the existing neighborhoods and we're here to make sure that we try to mi- mitigate those and, and make sure that everybody comes out positive and let's just go around the room and talk about what we do Ani first of all what what, what do you do for the Oakland Athletics sure so um, my background is in uh, finance and real estate Um, I'm still measuring my time here in days uh, but uh, getting up to speed quickly Um, most of what uh, my focus is on is uh, helping to develop a, a business plan that that how do you pay for all of this stuff? How do you track cost? How do you um, balance the uh, aspirational with the realistic? Um, you know, it's, it's very easy to say we, you know, we want that from a design perspective or the community wants this, but it all needs to work in a cohesive manner uh, in order to actually get this thing built and, and make sure that uh, sort of Oakland as a whole rises. You know, it's so funny. We see, we see these renderings and they look beautiful. But as you said, someone's got to pay for it. Someone's got to pay for it. <laughs> no, what exactly do you do for the uh, athletics? So I've been here about a year, a little more than that, and my background is in uh, what's called planning and entitlement work on master plan development projects here in the Bay Area. That's sort of my professional background, which involves working with our really large consultant team, architects, engineers, lawyers, transportation folks, to come up with the project plans and then going around to all the various different agencies that we have to interact with here locally, the city of Oakland, the port of Oakland, more regionally, you know, agencies like State Lands Commission and the Bay Conservation Development Commission, and then even up to the state level. Um, personally, I grew up here in the, in the Bay Area in the suburbs of the East Bay going to A's games, so it's been a, a really nice uh, 
sort of confluence of personal and professional interests here in my time at the A's, and it's just really fun. Yeah, talk about because there's a lot of different people, and we, we've done this. We, we have a podcast that we call The Build, and, and we have Dave Cavill on, and we talk about all the different places. It's almost like, where's Waldo, right? Where, where's Cavill? Is he in Sacramento? Is he in Washington? Just talk about all the different people you interact with to try and make this happen. Yeah, well, it's, you know, the, it's a laundry list of agencies. So among those I, I mentioned, sort of within each one of them, there's different departments and different categories of folks that you interact with. So at the, at the city, you know, there's sort of that political interaction with, with the mayor and with the council. That's sort of Lydia and Dave's purview. And then sort of below that, there are, you know, there's the Department of Transportation. There's the engineers. There's the planning group. All those folks who have different sort of, you know, sometimes competing interests um, that you have to balance. And then you go over to the port and you have to work with their maritime stakeholders um, and their maritime staff folks. And it really is about finding that um, kind of fitting together this this crazy Venn diagram where all the interests can overlap. and, And hopefully at the middle of that is the ballpark project. Yeah, because as you just said, everybody has their own interest and everybody has their own wants. Everybody has their own needs. So it's kind of, would you say it's like a puzzle and you got to put these pieces together Mm -hmm. and you have to make everybody happy at the end of the day. Right. That's the goal. That's the dream. It's probably worth mentioning that uh, the location of the project also brings into play who you deal with on a day-to-day basis. And so we have a unique location along the waterfront that brings Mm -hmm. in a whole host of uh, agencies, even at the local and state level, um, the, the proximity to the uh, train tracks, et cetera. It just brings in a whole host of uh, folks that you may not deal with if you were building in smack dead in the middle of downtown Oakland. Yeah, the, throwing the water part is, and bringing the port, is it's, it's kind of like a, it's a whole different ball game. And I think we learned that years ago when the Giants, you know, people talked about, oh, are they going to be able to build on the water? They were able to do it, but we know the issues with dealing, you, you bring in a whole new certain circumstances that normally, as you mentioned, if you like you build anywhere else in the East Bay, you wouldn't have to deal with this. That's right. Um, and I, I don't want to step in Noah's court because I think this is uh, that's something that he deals with specifically on a day to day basis. But there's folks that deal with, you know, the waterfront. There's folks that deal with putting infrastructure into the water. There's the railroad tracks. Um, you know, there's there's all these different players and you can probably add a few to the list. Um, that are really unique to this kind of development. It's a special place, um, but it means it's a it's a much more dynamic process. And the one thing that, I mean, obviously a lot of us don't know a whole heck of a lot about real estate is that there's different people for different parts of this property. Isn't that correct? It's not like one group controls this property. There's multiple, talking with Dave about this, that there's multiple people when you're trying to get this done. Sure. There are are a lot of stakeholders. So the port itself controls Howard Terminal. Um, But as Noah was mentioning, there's a lot of uh, agencies that have jurisdiction over the use, the the mission of those organizations, whether it's State Lands Commission or BCDC, the port itself, the city of Oakland, they all have interest in what happens there. So while it's controlled by the port, everybody's got a different uh, set of interests. And when you we talk about building a ballpark and how it changes the city, mm-hmm. uh, the vision that you have, talk about how you envision this ballpark really changing this part of Oakland. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, I think that the vision really started with ownership, uh, who wanted to make sure that the n- next home for the A's is something that's forward-looking, that... Uh, 
meets the needs of the fan experience as the fan uh, interests are changing over time. Um, and it's also a legacy, you know, something that the city can be proud of, that the A's can be proud of in the future. So the, the waterfront location is an amazing location. Uh, we're looking to design a very intimate ballpark experience. I'm sure Dave talked about this in prior podcasts. Um, but at the same time, using the ballpark as a way of anchoring a new district. So we're planning a number of thousands of new homeowners and renters who will live in the district. We have thousands of new employees who live who will live here. We're hoping to make sure that we've got great new retailers that are Oakland-based uh, and, and that everything kind of feeds into each other, that the fans have a great experience when they come down to the district and the folks who live and work there have a great experience when they're living and working in the district. You know, one thing I've noticed being able to, you know, travel around the country either with the A's or the Raiders, and you get to see these new facilities, and it's amazing what happens around them. I mean, the ballparks are great, and it's great for fans, but really for cities, counties, what it does for the downtowns, what it does for these areas and the business and just – what it does for community is really something special that I think that, you know, I think everybody's been so used to the Coliseum because it was built in 1966 and everybody's grown up going there. But when you actually get a chance to go out and see how places like this really change cities, it's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. There's some really great ex- uh, examples out there. Uh, certainly, uh, Camden Yards in, in Baltimore is mm-hmm. one of the first ones, the, front, the first modern day back to the city. Um, environments and examples, Petco Park in San Diego, and we're looking at all of those, trying to take best practices from them and also lessons learned of what to avoid as well. That's the uh, <laughs> that's the thing is like it's not easy. It's, it's not easy. It, it's a big building, right? And it's very active, 81 to 90 days a year, um, and we have to figure out how do we make sure this is it's a great experience on, on game days, but also how is it a great experience and how can the ballpark still be very much a part of the community on non-game days too. Yeah, that's something Dave has talked about. I mean, when you when you think about, okay, we're going to have 81 dates where we're playing baseball games, but then you have all these other days, and that they, you know, the A's truly want people to be experiencing the ballpark even when they're not playing games. Right, and you know, I think the waterfront location helps us on day one with that. And the, the overall vision for the project being bigger than baseball, more than just a ball, ballpark, helps us with that vision. So on day one, there's the existing energy of downtown and Jack Lennon Square that can start to bleed over into the district. And then as the years go by and we build into the land use program, you know, there's, there's people living there, there's people working there, there's people visiting, uh, you know, they come from out of town and they say, hey, have you seen this? rooftop park on the on the A's baseball stadium like that's pretty cool let's go check that out it's a reason to come down to Oakland's waterfront and really make it as special as it deserves to be you know when I think about a project like this and you have the vision do you really though do you really know how big it can be when you start talking about all the businesses and you talk about all the people living here you know as you mentioned Petco Park that's bigger than what San Diego ever thought it was going to be, what it did for downtown. Can you truly envision what you think this can be? That's a great question. I think we're, we're thinking pretty big. Um, but it's going to be an organic process as well. So um, it'll, it'll, turn out, um, it'll kind of turn out the way, the way it does. Uh, Oakland is a really interesting community. It's got incredible heritage. It got, has incredible history. Um, you know, this is a confluence of a variety of different cultures that have come here. 
And we're really hoping that Oakland in its entirety really embraces Howard Terminal and takes it as an own. And I think it's going to be just an incredibly special place. Yeah, because Oakland right now, it seems like it, it, it has the opportunity for a lot of growth. And we're starting to see that. Like mm-hmm. we've seen a whole ch- kind of change in the restaurant and, and entertainment and bars. It's like it's like growth is ready to happen here. Mm-hmm. And but once again, you got to be able to make it happen. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think part of the desire with uh, bringing the ballpark back to Howard Terminal, which is a more inner city location as opposed to I think in the past lots of ballparks were built on the perimeters or in the suburbs Mm -hmm. is to create that uh, 24-7 experience and allow people to come down and not just go to a ball game, but go to a restaurant, go to a bar and stay in the area uh, for longer periods of time. And I think that's um, one of the the real highlights of this location is that people will have that opportunity. And and do you guys see in the area people are like, yes, please make this happen? Like, is the vision there where people understand this will truly change this area of Oakland forever? Yes. I think people definitely realize that, that we have a lot of folks who are very supportive and very excited about a new ballpark and a new ballpark at Howard Terminal. We have a lot of folks who are also concerned because we are clearly going to have impact uh, game day. We have a lot of new fans that will be coming in a different way to the ballpark. Uh, we will have impact on some of the uh, existing neighborhoods as well. And so making sure that we're having good communication with the stakeholders that are around the Howard Terminal site, making sure we really understand what their issues are. We're, we're kind of back to the conversation we started, we started with is there are a lot of stakeholders out there. And we have to make sure that Howard Terminal not only works on game days for our fans, mm-hmm. but it also works 360 days a year, 365 days a year, for all of our neighbors as well. Yeah, I, I think about that. And, and you look around the country and nowhere have they ever built a new ballpark, a new football stadium or a new arena and things didn't prosper around it. It doesn't matter what state you go to, what city you go to. And I think that's what's something that I, I hope that people listening to this today and a lot of people here in the East Bay and people who live in Oakland understand, like, look at the models around the country. It works. Yeah, I think that's right. I think there's also a responsibility on our part to make sure that it it works for everybody in the right ways, right? So there's, you know, there's folks who are living around the area. There's folks who are working at nonprofits around the area. And, you know, there'll be a big community benefits process that Lydia is very engaged in that we go through to make sure that while the ballpark comes and brings this prosperity and brings this energy to Oakland, it does so in a responsible way. Noah, what is your biggest challenge on an everyday basis? Keeping up with that inbox. It just never stops. It's just go, go, go. I think the um, the culture here is a very positive, very energetic one. I mean, driven by Dave Cavill and, and his eternal optimism. It's, you know, keeping up with that guy is a challenge. Um, <laughs> and it's just something that I, you know, really personally want to see happen. And so um, there's just so much to do and only so many hours in the day. So, frankly, that's my biggest challenge. Yeah, it seems like it never rains in Dave Cavill's world. I mean, the, the, the fact that he's so positive. But you know what? Which helps, you know. Which you got to have somebody because right. this is not easy. You're yep. going to have hurdles. You're going to have people yep. that put walls up in front of you. you. You have to have a leader who walks in here every single day and tells you, yes, we're going to get this done. Yeah. I mean, giving him bad news is like giving him a cupcake, you know. Yeah, there's no such thing as bad news for that guy. 
And then obviously the challenges on you talk about this, you know, when you when, when, when you're dealing with people and I've been able to meet the architects and they have these unbelievable ideas and what they want to do. But yet you got to be able to make it happen. What's that like for you on a daily basis? The challenges of, yeah, you'd like everything to be perfect, but yet it has to be realistic and it has to work. Well, I think in terms of uh, real estate development, just broadly, that's that's always the challenge, particularly when you're dealing with people that are um, not uh, not in development on a day to day basis. And so you see the you know, the the big time developer come to town and they're doing something new. And the perception is that there's an unlimited source of funds <laughs> that can, you know, paint the town and, and, yeah. and make everything right. And the reality is that is that there really has to be a balance to make sure that the development can go forward in a, in a manner that can then help to support some of these other um, other causes. Uh, we're, we're very uh, aware that we're adjacent to existing communities. And so trying to make sure that we maintain that um, uh, attachment and openness to those existing communities. And there's, so there's elements of our um, uh, CBA process, our community benefits uh, process that will address those sorts of, of connections. Um, but it's it's a it's a really really um, large process, and it's a really challenging process to make sure that sort of everybody wins at the end of the day. Um, and in the process of everybody winning, you're not actually killing the project. And and, I, and I, we look at the stadium, but there's cost to get the the area ready to build the stadium. <clears throat> correct? There are uh, enormous costs to get the area ready for the stadium. I mean, just looking at the site. Um, it's a former port site, so there's a lot of um, initial development. Our, our infrastructure guys like to say you have to go down before you can go up, so there's a lot of just land prep um, and a lot of cost involved in that. Um, there's access uh, costs just in terms of getting to the site. Uh, so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of uh, just sort of backbone costs and infrastructure costs related to just getting the pad ready to, to, to go vertical with the ballpark and the district itself. How many people do you have to, I don't know how to put this, whether it's consult or, or, or update, because in the end, the finances are the most important thing. How many people from John Fisher down do you have to constantly be going over these numbers to get ready for a, a project of this magnitude? It's really a, a team effort. There are a number of uh, stakeholders, as, as Lydia mentioned, and um, I think as a team, it's a rel we're a relatively small group, so it means that we're all wearing different hats and we're all supporting each other in, in, in moving this process forward. Um, it would be very difficult to count on uh, on one hand or even come up with uh, that number in, in, in this setting, but it's a, it's a really, really big group of folks um, that are involved in, in, in trying to pull this whole project off and move things forward. You know, I would also say that I mean, money is important and, um, you know, we need to make sure that what we're proposing and building on developing makes financial sense. But at the same time, just back to the you know, earlier in the conversation, is that Fishers really want to make sure that what gets built here is a bit of a legacy, right? It's, it's, a, it's hopefully going to be considered an institutional jewel, a source of pride for the city and for the A's. And so money's important, but we, it's not like we talk about it all the time. We really talk about how we're making an impact for, for the community as well. And when I think about the community and, you know, for the first time, it's, you know, when people got to see that the Warriors are no longer here. Mm -hmm. And we're counting down the days. Hopefully there's a playoff game, but we're counting on the days where the Raiders are not going to be here. So it is very important for the city 
You know, no major city has ever lost three teams, let alone two teams for sure. Uh, I know it means a lot to you. The fact that keeping the A's here, keeping them in Oakland, and keeping Oakland with a major league franchise is a really big deal. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. I I think of Oakland, and I think of the A's as being almost the alter ego of Oakland. I mean, it just embodies so much of, of, of the history of the city and the scrappiness of the city. Um, the uniqueness of the city. And I just think it's, you know, it's a natural for the A's to stay here. And, and we, we're getting a lot of support. We have a lot of folks who get it, who believe it, who understand it. Uh, we've got a lot of folks at City Hall are very supportive. So, you know, we have a lot of, um, a lot of challenges, but I think we have, a, we have the, the, the wind is at our, our backs. I think we're gonna, we're gonna get there. Are you able to learn from other cities' challenges? Because it's never been easy for anybody to build a building. It doesn't matter. You mentioned Camden Yards was the first, you know, old school ballpark, new retro ballpark. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's had their challenges. Have you have you been able to learn from that from other cities? I have mostly from the from the teams themselves. I mean, I will tell you, I, I don't come from a baseball background, so really trying to understand how important the ballpark is in the city urbanscape has been great. Understanding how. Uh, uh, ballpark operations can interface with the the city on everyday life has been a great learning experience and really appreciate all the support we've gotten from all the other uh, ballpark teams throughout the throughout the country really it's been great so it you mentioned you don't have a baseball background Mm -hmm. does that help or hurt you I think it's both uh, it's been a great learning experience to learn more about baseball and how the business of baseball works. But at the same time, I think having an outside view on um, really how cities work and how the ballpark can actually fit within the city, I think it's been nice to have uh, somebody who's got a little bit of a perspective that's a little bit broader than just baseball. Yeah, I think that'd be a strength for all of you, the fact that you're coming from not the baseball background mm-hmm. and Major League Baseball that... that you've done other projects before that help you with the experience to help get this done. Yeah, that, that's, I think that's certainly true. Um, though I would say, you know, and to personalize it a little bit, in my uh, background, I, I go back, to, I'm a Bay Area guy, uh, born and raised in San Francisco, and I remember playing one-on-one baseball with my buddy for the Bay Bridge World Series where you had to bat like Carney Lansford or Dave Henderson, and <laughs> the other guy had to pitch like the Giants guy. So, um, Were you on the Giants? Um, we switched. We switched back and Good forth. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, for, I mean, so for, for me, um, I think certainly understanding the baseball business is a secondary thing, and that's certainly not my background. My background is more on the finance and real estate yeah. piece. And so it's really interesting to have the opportunity to learn that and really learn the depth of that, of that baseball side of the business. Um, but I think as a group, being able to bring the real estate expertise to the table um, is, is another feather in the cap for the organization. You know, when, when I first met Dave at my interview, I got, I got to the point where I got to meet Dave for an interview, and we sat down, and, you know, how are you? Nice to meet you. And the first words out of my mouth was, you just need to know I don't know very much about baseball. And Dave said, that's totally okay because we have a lot of people who know about baseball. <laughs> we don't have anybody who knows about real estate. <laughs> So, um, you know, I think he, he recognizes as an expertise, expertise that the, uh, the organization was missing. So we're, we're you know, we're, we're growing by leaps and bounds, and I think we're adding real value to the organization. It, when, when do you think Dave realized we need to bring real estate people in to make this happen? That's a good question. A year and two months, 
Noah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think a year and a bit ago, you know, I was first hired, and at the time, uh, you know, I was talking with Dave, like, well, who, what's what's the plan here? And and the plan was to to bring on this team to build it out, because at the time I was reporting up into Dave's sort of sub organization, the real estate group hadn't formed under Lydia yet, um, because there needed to be that sort of long, thoughtful search to make sure we found the right person, and I think we're lucky that we did. Yeah, because that's something like like for I'm a baseball guy. I'm not a real estate guy. So like when we were coming into this today, getting ready for this, you're like, wow, this is a whole different thing that, you know, all my years being around the A's, I've never had to deal with people. We talk baseball. We talk about it's the winter meetings coming up. We're talking about trades. We're talking about free agents. Who do we? And all of a sudden now I'm in, in this room with you guys talking about real estate. It's, it's, it's pretty fascinating. And Dave always jokes, he's a two property guy. That's how he got it done via stadium. It was two different properties down in San Jose. And I know we're not going to really get much into the Coliseum, but we're now dealing with two different properties. We're talking about the property at the Coliseum and mm -hmm. we're talking about here at Howard Terminal. Yeah, we, we are. Uh, and, you know, I like to say that the A's have been at home, right? They have been a resident of East Oakland for over 50 years, uh, very rooted in that neighborhood. So the opportunity to be able to move to Howard Terminal and be a part of a transformation of a coliseum that East Oakland, it is worthy of East Oakland and East Oakland's culture and history is, is really exciting. We're very excited about it. Yeah, I think about improving Oakland and not one spot, but two spots. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of like the legacy that we're looking at here is that, you know, as teams have moved out and said, see you later, we're, we're taking our business, we're taking our tax dollars, we're out of here, mm -hmm. to where the A's are saying, we're not out of here. Not only are we not out of here, we're going to fix two different spots of Oakland. Right. That's very unique, and I don't know if any team has really ever done that in Major League Baseball. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, I wasn't here when the decision was made, but what I hear is that it, was, it, was, it was a serious conversation about not abandoning East Oakland and being a key part of making sure that East Oakland is transformed in the way that's, that honors, honors the neighborhood. We got a long way to go. 2023 is still a ways out. For you, what's the most, and we'll start, Lady, with you, what is the most important thing for you going forward, leading to 2023? I think the most important thing for me going forward is to um, make sure that the vision that the A's have <clears throat> for Howard Terminal and for Coliseum is something that we can uh, effectively communicate with the community and have the community wholeheartedly embrace the vision as well, so we can move forward hand in hand. Because you got to keep you got to keep on the you got to keep the car on the track, right? Got to keep the car on the track. Uh, we have a lot of work to do to address all of the issues. Um, I think, but the the good thing is that you know ultimately, I think folks can see the big picture vision. We just got to make sure that the details get worked out so that we can all move forward very quickly. You know, it's interesting for all you guys. This is this is kind of your guys' legacy in business, right? It is. It is. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I we didn't talk about it, but I started out as an architect. I worked about three blocks away from here uh, in the produce district uh, in the early 80s and uh, have kind of worked on a lot of urban redevelopment-type projects, including work in Oakland and East Oakland. And when I think about all the things I've done over over my career, being able to come back and take all those lessons learned, come back to where I started my career uh, is, is really exciting. And it was a very compelling reason for me to come and work for the A's. That's what I think is so special about this project is what it will mean to all of us, right? I mean, for you guys, what it will mean for you and your careers 
your families, the fact that you'll be able to stand there and say, hey, we made this happen when no one said it could happen, right? You know, being Except a, for Dave. <laughs> being in real estate development, um, and I'm sure it's probably true with, with, the, with uh, Lydia and Noah as well, but, um, you know, sort of every project that you work on, you, you put so much of yourself into it. Mm -hmm. um, and I find myself going out of the way on my way home, uh, you know, running my kid, hey, you know, son, yeah. I, I built that, or um, and it gets old for them, but uh, the projects are really so personal because you, you, you really have to put a lot of yourself, um, you know, into these things. We're all in here... Um, you know, a lot of hours to, to pull this together. And it's because we really love what we do and we believe in the project. What is the best part? Because I think for, for us, we think, oh, when the building's built, that's the best part. But you guys are so ahead of that. What is the thing that, the juice, the thing that you love so much? Is it when it's finally built or is it the process when you get certain things done where you go, yes? Yeah, I think if you're waiting for opening day, you're going to be you know, waiting a long time, right? You need that sort of interim um, juice, as you say. So it's the meetings with with the team about the design where you just get excited about a new idea or it's the approval of a certain document by a certain, you know, body. I mean, I guess that sounds kind of nerdy, but yeah, that's exciting to me. <laughs> um, so I do think you need those sort of interim um, steps along the way to keep you going. So when you got these, these architects, right, we got some really fancy architects. Is there ever a point where you look at them and you go, guys, you're out over your skis on this one? <laughs> Is there any that? Yeah, all the time. <laughs> that, that's why we hired right. them. But, you know, it, yeah, it's important. Uh, and we actually just recently added another person to our team, a woman named Allison Williams, who was actually, she grew up in Oakland. Her father was head of redevelopment for about 20 years. Uh, she's um, very well known in uh, the design world herself. And between the two of them, they are pushing the limits. They're making sure that we think outside the box and they give us the opportunity to think, does this work for us? Does it not work for us? How do we make it work? And they're perfectly okay. We throw out the idea and we go on to the next thing. So it's really important to have folks who are making sure that we are thinking way ahead of what's happening today. I think it's great having them on our team. Well, I think about the A's dating back to Philadelphia, Kansas mm -hmm. City, Oakland. We've always been an organization that has, has changed things in Major League Baseball. You're on something right now called A's Cast. We're the only team in Major League Baseball that has a 24-7, 365 streaming station. We're always creating. We're always doing. How much does that, like, a, a part of who you are and what you're trying to do, we'll go around the room with this, that, that you know that the A's are always trying to be innovative, be different, progressive. It kind of makes kind of all of us pretty proud. Absolutely. It just coming to the organization and understanding how out of the box the A's are and they're really thinking forward. Uh, it, it absolutely is very much in keeping with what we're trying to do at the ballpark itself. So I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, as, as a relative newcomer, seeing all the energy, not just around the real estate team itself, but around the organization. Um, there's a lot of really smart people here. I think we all push each other to, 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 to do better work every day. Um, it's, you know, to me, it's refreshing. Um, and, uh, it's really, I mean, again, as a, as a relatively new person, it's exciting for me to come here every day and work on this project and work with the folks in the organization. Yeah. I think the culture here really affords a sense of freedom for me personally, um, in my work to not feel bound to, you know, one particular way of doing things because the people on the, around this table and around this organization are open to new ideas. 
are open to new ways of doing things. And so, yeah, it just kind of, it, 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 make, it makes it feel like there's a lot of doors that are open in the future, right? Mm-hmm. Not just one path that you have to go down. Yeah, and, and just, I'm just thinking real estate is new. It's a new part of the organization. So we actually don't have any rules <laughs> to begin with. So we're all kind of making it up as a go, which, which is actually quite freeing. Yeah. Yeah. And let's end on this. In the end, it's still a baseball team. How much does it help you that the A's are playing well? 97 wins, two straight years in the playoffs. People are starting to talk about us kind of being a dark horse World Series favorite. You know, life is just better when you're winning, no matter whether you're in real estate or you're on the field, right? It absolutely is. It absolutely is. You you look across the bay and you look at the Warriors, um, brand new facility, amazing facility, a lot of hype about it. Um, you know, but they're struggling on the court and they're actually seeing it as well. So it's, 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 it's been great. It's, it, it just keeps the excitement up and it makes folks, it helps folks understand and imagine what this could be. Yeah. Echo that, you know, you kind of walk into a room of folks, you don't know them. You can talk about baseball or it's an easy icebreaker, one that you wouldn't have if you worked for any other organization. So, um, it just adds this element of fun and excitement to everything that, um, would otherwise just be like emails, phone calls, and meetings. Well, I, I think I can speak for A's fans here. You guys are fascinating. And this is the lifeblood of the organization is, you know, we've heard for years, get a building, sustainability, free agents, players, championships. And really, this is what you guys are trying to provide for us A's fans. So let's do this again soon because I think the updates of, you know, as we look at 2020, 21, 20, you know, shovels will be in the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is what we've been talking about for a long, long time, and you guys are in control of this. This is a this is a really big deal for Ace fans. This was a lot of fun to yeah. do. Yeah, thank you very much for the invitation. We're really excited to be here and be part of the project. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, A's Roundtable doesn't get any better than this right here on A's Cast, powered by Tune. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.